Glee, a Glee retrospective podcast with 2020 vision and a queer lens. I'm your gay host, Julie. And I'm your gay host, Julian. And this week, we are stepping into the choir room to talk about season one, episode one, pilot. But before we do that, I think we should take a minute to introduce ourselves. I'm Julie, and I watched Glee as it was coming out. I think I was in the seventh grade when season two was airing. Um, I watched it religiously every week for seasons two and three and dropped off somewhere in the middle of season four with, oh, I would say like most of the fandom. Um, about two years ago, I finally decided to rewatch the whole show and actually finish it for the first time. So I only saw seasons four through six pretty recently. Um, Julian, how many episodes of Glee have you watched? Zero, except for one right before this recording. <laughs> So the premise of this will be that I have basic I have seen basically every episode from the first three seasons like a billion times. I force all of my friends to watch the first three seasons with me. And I will be forcing, I mean, Megan Julian watch them with me in a polite way, not at all held hostage. And <laughs> um I'm very eager to see how they hold up to someone watching them for the first time in 2020. Um, I'm especially eager to re-examine how the show handles its LGBT characters because that's where I think the show like really shines and also displays a lot of flaws later on. Um, as a lesbian, Julian, cover your ears. Um, Santana's storyline was really special to me, and I'm always excited to like watch it from the beginning and see how much it grows on screen and in the writing. Um, Julian is non-binary as well as gay, so I'm excited to hear what they think of the show's handling of trans themes, which is admittedly pretty bad. Yay. <laughs> um, that's for later, so we don't really have to worry about that until season three i think is when stuff starts happening um but to to start with i just wanted to make like a blanket statement about how we'll be approaching the actors during discussion of the show we are recording on august 30th 2020 so naya rivera's passing is still pretty fresh um Corey Monteith, which I think I explained to Julian before, died during the show's run, and they had to continue without him in a pretty tragic way. Um, it's also hard to talk about Mark Salling's death because it was so crazy to hear about him getting arrested for child porn in the first place that his suicide was, like, doubly surprising. Um... Oh, Leah Michelle got <laughs> called out for racism on Twitter a couple weeks ago for things that she did and said during the filming of season six. And I keep getting linked to Tumblr posts about how Darren Chris is secretly an asshole. So hmm. <laughs> all of this is to say that we will be trying to stick 
to talking about the characters for the sake of Julian having no idea who the actors are and trying to keep the actors out of the discussion if possible. Um, I am really interested in Ryan Murphy's vision as like the main showrunner and writer and director. So I think that like talking more about like what the writers had envisioning for the show more than like what the actors brought to the portrayals is more like what I'm interested as a storyteller myself. Um, I would also just like to disclaimer that I think Puck is a really interesting character and I will probably be talking about how I enjoy watching him. Uh, not at all connected to what I think about Mark Salling. So if that makes you uncomfortable, now you know not to listen to the show. Um, we will, of course, be discussing Corey's death when we get to it. But otherwise, I want to keep things pretty spoiler free for Julian and anyone else who might be watching with us. <sighs> that was so much to read. Yeah, that was um, a lot to that's a lot to get to get into. There's a lot to get into, and that's not even the episode. So, with all that out of the way, before we get to my extremely long episode summary, Julian, how did you enjoy the first episode of Glee? <laughs> um. So normally this isn't the sort of thing I would watch, but I didn't dislike it. I think it's very heavy-handed, and I think its theme is about irony. <laughs> there, were, there was a lot of surprisingly, like, really good quotes that I'm like, you know, that's actually inspiring. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that the show definitely has a way of balancing real genuine like emotions with just bananas things happening <laughs> all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i always i no matter like even if it's done poorly sometimes it's still in my opinion pretty fun to watch for at least uh the first <laughs> three seasons <laughs> i mean have only watched the one episode it it was a fun enough watch yeah, I think the pilot is so excellent in distilling exactly, like, what they want to do and what they want the tone to be. I I just love the pilot so much. I think it's so strong. Is it bad <laughs> that my favorite character is a cheerleading coach? No, that is, <laughs> that is absolutely, I think, like, the consensus of most of my friends coming out of the pilot after I force them to watch it with me is oh like she should be in it more and then she's in it so much <laughs> that you're kind of like oh, I could use her a little less but I do enjoy her alright good to know I, I'm a big fan I'm a big fan of Sue I'm a big fan of Jane Lynch the actress and um I'm just going to say it real quick is that I think Sue's biggest problem is that she's straight. And I think that having <laughs> a famous lesbian Jane Lynch play this like straight cheerleading coach is just so such a missed opportunity. And it's, it's Looking becomes, at that woman, I would not think she's straight. Yeah, I know. Like, not, it's so it's the same problem that I have with Ellen Page being told to kiss boys. I'm like, no, <laughs> sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> stop, stop making lesbian actresses pretend to be straight 2020 well um, this was 2009 so I know 2009 very different time um, we'll 
we'll get to that because this episode definitely feels like it was from 2009. So absolutely. <laughs> uh, so let's get into the summary, shall we? Um. So, mm-hmm. season one, episode one, pilot. We open with a scene of our beloved cheerleading coach, Sue Sylvester, coaching her squad. Um, they are referred to as the Cheerios for the whole series. Um, Sue makes a waterboarding joke because one of the cheerleaders falls from the lift. And I think having <laughs> the first line be, <laughs> do you think this is hard? <laughs> Try being waterboarded. That's hard. As, like, the first impression of the show is honestly hilarious and such a good representation of, like, the shock value humor that the show goes for a lot. Um, I I guess it was something. (laughs) This is, like, 2009, and I think a lot of folks watching it I assume we're like middle schoolers because that's where we were. So I wonder how many heads it went over. It definitely went over my head when I was first watching it. But I also think that we we see this in the pilot and we see this in most of season one is that the show is very geared towards adults with high schoolers on the side. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot of the jokes are for adults and the show was targeting adults and then when they realized oh it's like we're actually getting pretty popular with younger people they decided to shift focus so that leads yeah so that leads pretty clearly to our (laughs) male lead for this episode mr william schuster um so he is the main character of the pilot basically and he's also going to be one of the main characters of season one um will is a very white spanish teacher who seems to be okay at his job but is clearly like not like fulfilling all his like creative needs um on his way into school will passes by kurt hummel (laughs) who is very obviously gay in the way that he stands and dresses in, like, a very stereotypical way. Um, mm-hmm. Kurt, <laughs> Kurt is being bullied by most of the football team. Will doesn't seem to notice and just goes into school. Uh, the two main jocks of the pilot, Finn Hudson and Noah Puckerman, throw Kurt into the dumpster. But Finn allows Kurt to take off his designer jacket first. Inside the school, Will looks at his show choir championship trophy, which is kept in a trophy case in the school next to a photo of the old choir director. So now we know that he was in his high school glee club, but also that he went to the same high school that the show is currently set at, which is William McKinley High School. And I personally think that teaching at the same high school you went to is just, like, kind of weird, like... Is it? I just feel like, I don't know, like, maybe it's like they're hearkening back to, like, this, the the mythos of the show is that this, um, this Ohio town is just, like, no one leaves, no one does anything, like, successful out of it, 
So, like, him teaching at, like, the same high school he went to is kind of, like, I want to say indicative, but <laughs> such a pretentious word. <laughs> Good job. Um, that That's the theme that I think that they're going for with this, is that... Yeah, I kind of got that. A lot of things that take place in a small town tend to have that kind of... You can't go somewhere and become something big. You're just going to be in this small little place your entire life. This definitely has that vibe going for it. Yeah, and I think that we definitely, like, see that throughout the whole show of, like, these people clearly wanted to be famous in some capacity, but they're, they live in Ohio. Like, nothing really happens in Ohio. I don't really know anything about Ohio. Um, it's okay. I've driven through it on my way to Michigan, and it's fine. It's just, like, it's not New York. It's not... Chicago, it's not like <laughs> it's not LA. Yeah. So it's not like <laughs> there I can't really name any other place in Ohio except for Lima, which is where the show takes place. So hmm. is that a real town? Yeah, I have driven through it. Oh. <laughs> okay. It's the it's... more I learn. <laughs> um, did you have any um Strong reactions to seeing Kurt get bullied like this? Um, I wouldn't say a particularly strong reaction, just not really surprised. Uh, I thought the whole coat moment was really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, unnecessary levels of politeness to be like, yeah, just hand me your fancy new expensive blue coat. I'll have it nicely draped over my arm. Okay, get thrown in the dumpster now. Yeah, it's just, it's such a good introduction to... Finn's character, I think, because, yeah, he's been kind of an asshole. He's, like, bullying this kid, but he's clearly, like, he doesn't have, like, hate in his heart. He's just kind of, like, going along with what everyone else is doing, which I think is, like, unique in a bully, like, storyline. I don't know how unique it really is. I'm trying to think of other examples because I feel like I've seen other examples, but... It's not, like, the same as this, and I'm on top of my head. I can't think of another example, so I guess. Okay. Um, (laughs) Once, like, because clearly, like, Finn and Puck are, like, gonna not be antagonists for very long. We get, like, two new bully characters and to to replace them, so I'm... Is that a spoiler, or was I just not paying attention? (laughs) Um, it's, It's kind of a spoiler. It's just, like... You know how you know how shows work, and like once once you lose an antagonist, you need a different antagonist. So I yeah. really like I really like the dumpster scene, especially when compared to like what the next group of bullies start doing. I just think it's like I think Finn's really sweet, and it's sad that he's peer pressured into bullying people when he really doesn't want to do that. He is sweet and. Again, I've only watched this first episode. It doesn't seem like the peer pressuring lasts too long. It's only one episode. Uh, as far as I've watched. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll shelve that for now. So next we meet um, the current director of the Glee Club, Sandy Ryerson, who is rehearsing with, like, <laughs> I, I called him unnamed show choir boy in my script. 
but he's actually his name is Hank something because Rachel cries it later. So his name's Hank, but we don't really care. So they're singing an okay of an they're singing an okay cover of Where Is Love when Sandy accidentally or not so accidentally touches Hank on the stomach like a little too much. And then we whip pan over to a girl, Rachel Berry, staring in through the window, looking extremely pissed off. Um, we don't really get a resolution to this scene other than just cutting away, but we will revisit this later. So this is a pretty strange <laughs> scene to revisit because... Mm-hmm. It's it's the inciting incident of Glee is this <laughs> is this weird kind of sexual harassment scene that kind of kicks off yeah. the rest of the pilot. And it's just so strange and it's mostly like a silent scene with just like this crazy camera pan over to Rachel staring in through the window. <laughs> Which, she was livid. She was so angry, and I love—I absolutely love like her expression in that scene. But it's also just like it's weird. It's like a weird vibe to like bring into the show, like at probably three or four minutes in. And the thing especially- about that scene is like, even though it is the kickoff of the whole rest of the show, why they need to do the things that they do, they go through it so quickly it i almost missed it actually like the scenes that are progressing through that whole sequence i'm just like wait what what yeah it definitely happens super fast and they're not really interested in the implications of it because we never see this boy again we don't know what happened to him (laughs) like we find out later what happened to sandy but it's it's definitely like really weird And it does make me laugh, though. Like, (laughs) I hate that I still think it's really funny when the camera pans over to Rachel (laughs) and she's so angry. And it, it definitely captures the feeling of a choir rehearsal better than any other scene because I've spent a lot of time in the choir room awkwardly standing next to a piano <laughs> oh, without, yeah. like without like the amount of auto-tune that the rest of the show has so like i <laughs> i like the i like the rawness of the singing in this scene because it's something that we don't see very often in the show but it's just like it's so weird <laughs> it's especially weird of ryan murphy a very prominent gay man to put a stereotype like this in the first episode of his show hmm that's a good point it is it just makes me like wonder why (laughs) he wanted to do this because like there's a million reasons why like teachers can get fired yeah is it fair to say that's because it's 2009? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of it does come down to, like, 
at the time, like, this was a funnier joke than it is now, I guess. And I feel like we get that a lot with some of the transphobic shows. A lot of our humor about... Yeah, a lot of our humor about, like, over a decade ago or whatever, like, in the early 2000s was very... That sort of harsh, dark humor. Mm-hmm. I think that now people today that... are getting called out on, but it was yeah. things that was, like, over a decade ago. It was very... And it's so funny because... This this moment is just so glossed over. Like <laughs> it it really isn't like relevant past like a couple <laughs> a couple more jokes about it later in later episodes. So it's just a really it's a really interesting tone to start with, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So moving on, we next follow Will into the teacher's lounge where we meet all the other main teacher characters of season one. Um, Ken Sanaka is the football coach who has a crush on Emma Pillsbury, who is the school guidance counselor. Emma very clearly has a crush on Will, despite him being married. Um, Sue, the cheerleading coach, comes in to brag about how her cheerleaders were on Fox Sports Net last year and how she needs most of the school budget in order to support them. Emma is annoyed by Sue using all the money and accuses cheerleaders of not being performers, to which we get the iconic Sue quote, your resentment is delicious, which is one of my favorite <laughs> Sue quotes, although she has it's so many It's a really good quote. It's a really good quote. <laughs> the delivery is perfect. There's, like, just the right amount of pause. Like, oh, it's so, it's so good. Um, Sue brags about having an iPhone because it was 2009, um, in this scene, we also learn that Emma is clearly a germaphobe and probably has OCD, although that isn't explicitly touched on. Um, Emma informs Will that Sandy Ryerson got fired, leaving the Glee Club without a director. So, so I know most of this was about sort of Sue and Emma and them clashing, but I want to argue that cheerleaders are performers, I grew up with a friend who was basically a professional performing cheerleader. We don't gotta super get into that. I'm just saying they are a performer. <laughs> yeah, and even Will agrees because later he says cheerleaders are performers and they're the best like in the school. So like even Will doesn't really agree with Emma here. Emma just like <laughs> is really bothered by Sue taking all the money in the in the budget, which has caused the teacher's lounge coffee maker to be taken away because of budget cuts. So I just, it's one of the few times that Emma says something that's kind of like standing up for herself, but it is kind of like a weird thing to pick a fight with. But I think it's all in service of the very good Sue quote that we get. So I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever you got to do to set up that, sick dunk like (laughs) is what you gotta do (laughs) um so how do you feel about like setting up this love square um so (laughs) it's hard to say i don't feel any particular way about it right now i kind of like and dislike all of the characters (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. That's, um, a, that's a good feeling. It's, it's a good feeling. Like, I really don't like the football coach guy, mm-hmm. Ken. Ken? He's just kind of gross. <laughs> He's, like, shady. I don't they like do him. They do a very good job of making him gross. He, I can tell that, like, the actor is, like, a fun guy playing, like, a gross guy. Like, that's the vibe I get. And I think that he does, like, yeah. a really good job at just being <laughs> disgusting because I like pretty much every character. Like, I like Sandy Ryerson. I think that he's really funny with his delivery. And, <laughs> like, when he shows up, I get excited because he always brings conflict. Ken Tanaka is the only character who I am not excited to see on screen at any time. Anyone else, I am excited about, like, the conflict they're bringing or, like, a funny joke they're going to tell. But just I feel like Ken is such... Ugh, he just... (laughs) He gives me the creeps, which, like, is good writing. Because they're obviously going for that. But I just don't think he's, like, as fun as, like, other antagonists on the show. And uh, without spoiling it, like, the the character in season two who replaces him is, like, one of my favorite characters, like, in the show. So, like, every time I watch season one, I'm like, oh man, Ken's back. <laughs> and I have to, like, suffer <laughs> through season one to get, like, my very fun football coach in season two again. So... It's always, Uh, like... It just makes me hate him even more because his replacement is so good and fun. Well, can't wait till I get to season two and get away from this creep. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He sure is gonna be around for all of season one, so... It's definitely a time. Yeah, Um, so you said how I feel about the love square. I don't view it as a love square because I don't acknowledge this character as anything more than a creep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then the love the love triangle then. Um you know, I don't really care much for love triangles in general, but mm-hmm. uh it's interesting cuz um I like Will the the teacher. I do like Emma mm-hmm. the counselor. Um I kind of relate to her germaphobe. I'm not a germaphobe myself. I'm not on that kind of level, but there's that scene that happens with the creep that I'm like, <laughs> I relate so hard. But like, she seems sweet, and mm-hmm. I only get to know Will's wife a little bit. I don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> she she seems very well, well, selfish. We'll get to her. We'll get to her. We'll get to her. I don't like her. <laughs> okay. So I do think that it is really interesting that the show very clearly wants us to root for, like, a homewrecker, basically. Like Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, Emma very actively is chasing a married man and, it, like, admits it. So it's definitely, like, something new and different that I don't really see in, like, other shows if they're not, like, a crazy, like, horrible person, which I don't think Emma is. No, she seems normal. She's cute. And her eyes are very big. She has very big anime eyes. 
So they, they're like crazy eyes to me. <laughs> but she's sweet. She's cute. I I'm a I'm a big Emma fan. Um so let's move on. Um Will Schuster volunteers to take over the Glee Club. Uh, in this scene, we meet in this scene we meet Principal Figgins, who dismisses Will for wanting to take over the club. Figgins tells Will that the club will be disbanded unless Will pays sixty bucks a month to fund it, claiming that giving all the money to the Cheerios is more important. Will agrees, although he plans to keep the expense a secret from his wife Terry. Um, and then in the middle of the night, he comes up with the name New Directions for the new Glee Club. New Directions is kind of a funny name. Um, You're not allowed to make the joke that <laughs> everyone else has made. I will edit it out. So I'm not making a joke. I'm just saying it's just kind of New Direction, just kind of a funny name for a group. It is very strange, especially because most of the other show choir teams that we get to know, they have like musical pun names. Like we meet um, Vocal Adrenaline later this episode. I'm like, that's a fucking kick ass name, bro. Like, yeah. They're, just, they sound like they're really trying to pump up the crowd. Yeah. So, New Directions is kind of like whatever but i i wonder how much of the name is like what they could trademark at the time because they definitely put out a lot of t-shirts that said new directions on it oh have they uh yeah i have (laughs) several oh (laughs) i mean so it feels like a silly name and it feels kind of low-key but also i get the idea right like the whole theme is that these people are trying to go a new direction with their life. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so cool. What a cool theme. <laughs> um, I'm really interested in what you think of Principal Figgins in this scene. Um, I don't know. He just seems tired. <laughs> <laughs> he seems okay. Uh, acts. Asking for $60 was kind of, it's like nothing, but also mm. a lot. I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know why it's funny to me that the big issue is 60 bucks a month. I mean, like 60 bucks, 60 bucks once, like kind of whatever, but 60 bucks a month for it like the whole up. year. Yeah, yeah it that gets to like... be absurd. Especially once we like... <laughs> get to know Terry and, like, what Terry's income is like. Oh, yeah. (laughs) See how it could be a problem. But I really like Figgins. I think that his, like, low-key, tired energy and, like, deadpan delivery is so great when we get, um... We get a lot of scenes of Will, Sue, and Figgins in the office fighting about something, and his, like, his, he is such a good referee for their fights, and it's so fun <laughs> to watch. He's really, like, an unsung hero of, like, the chemistry of the show. I, I'm a really big fan, despite, like, him kind of being the antagonist, 
but he it's not like he wants to do this it's just like he's just trying to do his job and manage things the way he thinks is efficient yeah exactly so i think he's really fun and i really like um when he shows up more which we will get so i'm a, i'm a fan i enjoy him um so now we get um the pretty famous audition scene which is um will holding the auditions for the new glee club so as we see people sign the sheet we get a little snippet of them singing in front of the piano to audition so here we meet mercedes jones tina cohen shane and Artie abrams for the first time Mercedes sings Respect by Aretha Franklin, while Tina sings I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. We also get a reappearance from Kurt, who we saw get tossed into a dumpster earlier, and he sings Mr. Cellophane from Chicago. He so. made me laugh, I have to say. <laughs> I love I love his little um, hair twirl thing while he shows off his falsetto. Honestly, he's just going, belting it out, just a whole steady line, stares mm-hmm. off to the side as he's going and twirls his hair like it's nothing. It's, Sir. it's so good. We love Kurt. This is a Kurt appreciation podcast. Um, <laughs> I think it's, this is like, I was like, oh, I'm not going to talk about the actors, but um, Chris Colfer's so young here. I think he was like 18 when they did the pilot, and uh, he's just so talented. And this he's one of a- the few that actually looks like he can be in high school. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, Corey Monteith is just like so old. Um, <laughs> it's just I I really like how. Even though we only get a couple lines from each song, we definitely get like a really good snapshot of everyone's personality, especially with um, Mercedes. Like, she can obviously belt like a really powerful song, but we don't get too much of her in this episode, but we definitely will in later ones. Yeah, I look forward to getting to know Mercedes and Tina better. Yeah, I really like Tina. I think that they didn't really know what to do with Tina for a long time. Um, I think I Kissed a Girl is a very strange song selection for her. Well, I wouldn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, then what uh, What do you think about Tina's introduction? Oh, well, I, I don't have the background you have, obviously. I just... Mm-hmm. She seems fun. <laughs> what do you think about her little like hip slap move oh good for her <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. um i like her clothes though tina always dresses very 2009 hot topic goth her style and- is the kind of style i wanted to have when i was in <laughs> middle school and high school it's very funny um, we get a whole episode <laughs> dedicated to how Tina dresses later. It's oh, yeah? very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Next up is Rachel Berry, who we saw earlier. Um, she will be singing On My Own from the seminal Broadway classic Les Mis. Um, sorry, I just love that line. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> 
we, as she sings, we get to see her backstory. Rachel is clearly a very talented singer and wants nothing else but to be famous. Um, we see her getting slushied after signing her name with a gold star on the audition list. Um, Rachel is also revealed to be the one who got Sandy Ryerson fired after witnessing him through the window earlier because Sandy gave the boy Hank Rachel's solo. Uh, she explained that the action couldn't have been homophobic because she has two gay dads. Uh, Rachel uploads a video to MySpace every day hoping to get discovered, and we see that the cheerleaders use it as an excuse to cyberbully her. Which is a very funny sentence. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how Rachel is our female lead and yeah. I love her. A lot of people do not love her. How do you feel about her introduction? Honestly, I'm very conflicted about her. I'm gonna say that I like her. I see how she's frustrating. Mm-hmm. But so many of the things she says is where most of the legit inspiring lines come from in this first mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> she's, like, powerful. <laughs> she is very powerful, and I definitely, like, when I was watching it when I was younger, I was, like, not used to seeing female characters who want something and will do anything to get it in this way. Like, it was really, like, she'll step on anyone in, like, a, a brutal way, but in a way that I can't help but admire in some, like, messed up form because she knows who she is and she knows what she wants and not everyone can really say that. That's true. She goes very hard, and she is kind of harsh. Um, But I guess she gets karma back like that slushy in the face, so... Yes. So let's let's talk about the slushy, because this is our first official slushy of the show. Um, So... (laughs) It feels silly to call it world building, but I (laughs) I think that's what it is, is... We are slowly learning about the culture of bullying at this high school, McKinley High. Um, So we see kids be thrown in dumpsters. We see... um, So slushying is when you get, like, a frozen Slurpee tossed in your face. Um, They're usually red, although I do remember, like, green and purple and blue um, popping up as well. Um, we see, like, more bullying. It Once they, like, discovered how, like, visually cool the slushy was, they definitely, like, lean on it more than, like, anything else. But, like, it's, a, it's definitely, like, a mythic thing that, <laughs> like, if this happened at school, that would be, like, insane. But, like... Would it it's, be? I think so. Like... It just requires so much prep work. Like, you have to go somewhere with a slushy machine, bring it back, and then, like, dump the whole thing on someone. Like, that takes, like, a lot of dedication that I don't think Okay, I guess when it's bullying at school, if it's specifically a slushy, maybe it's a lot of work. But I think tossing your drink at someone 
just in general, is not very far-fetched. Yeah, it's it's definitely, like, a dramatic thing to happen, but I'm sure it does happen somewhere. I, like, specifically a slushy is something that becomes very, like, part of the Glee iconography. That's so silly. It is very silly, and it's especially silly to, like, hear the cast talk about it in interviews and about just how horrible it is. It's, like, the worst experience ever. To and have the slushly thrown on them? Yes. But they keep doing it. <laughs> and they they have to... Because, like, in that shot of Rachel being slushied, there's, like, a long period of her just standing there, like, for a reaction shot. And that hurts, like, the most. Because you just have to sit there <laughs> while ice gets into your underwear. Like... Oh, no. It, it just sounds so horrible. And, um... If we end up tackling the Glee project, um, everyone has to get slushied as, like, a rite of passage, <laughs> and it's pretty horrible. God. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds really horrible, and I think that the show definitely, like, treats it pretty funny at first, and then later they're like, oh, actually this sucks, and the characters have to, like... <laughs> recover from how much it sucks in like a really fun like team bonding way like oh we're all in this together we're all getting bullied ha 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 so like <laughs> I, I think that it's like a really fun fun bullying mechanic i guess like a fun bullying mechanic a fun bullying mechanic it's good for the it's good it's a good writing mechanic in my opinion for now i still mostly just think it's silly oh it's silly <laughs> So is a lot of things. Um, this seems like the theme of the show. It's kind of silly. It's kind of silly until um, you're crying <laughs> about some kids who want to sing. <laughs> um, so we we get a couple key things here. Rachel is very spoiled. Rachel's an only child. Rachel is, like, very clearly talented. Like, obviously this is because... Like, her actress was on Broadway for so long, but, like, seeing, like, in air quotes, a teenager with this, like, level of talent is, like, very, like, I would have been surprised if I was Will and someone like this, like, wanted to be in my stupid club. So Mm -hmm. she is good, which is where, like, most of her confidence comes from is because she is good. And I think that's something that I really like about her because it's really, I think because we're in the arts, like, we run into these people who are talented but have no confidence whatsoever. And that's Mm -hmm. more irritating to me than someone who's overconfident. For me, I find both extremes, you know, extreme and Mm -hmm. unnecessary. Um, I think people should try to keep some kind of humbleness. Mm. That makes sense. I I just think that, like, (laughs) Glee is a show of extremes. It is. So if Rachel's going to be confident, she's going to be the most confident person in the whole world ever. And it definitely creates some good conflict later. I am... I am a fan of... (laughs) Of all of her drama, 
um, including some way late show stuff where she kind of gets bit in the ass with it. So, well, you um, can't tell me about that. That'll be a spoiler. I can't tell you about that. It would be a spoiler, but the <laughs> the the people at home know what I am referring to. So, um, how do you feel about the uh, two gay dads joke? It I. Is it supposed to be a joke? I think that it's a joke because it makes me laugh. And okay. um, the fact that she got this guy fired for <laughs> inappropriate touching and it wasn't even to her. And then she was very clearly faking crying. <laughs> and then, oh, the real joke is that she doesn't know who her real dad is. But then we see the photos in her locker and one is white and one is black. And she's very white. She is extremely white. <laughs> so well. that joke always makes me laugh. Um, even though um, when we see her dads later, oh, one of them is not black. So it, it kind of makes the joke a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that... I, I, I think you just spoiled something, but also I think I did. I think I did spoil something a little bit, but it it it. Every time I watch this part, I really like the joke, but it makes me sad that they didn't like keep it canon because like her black dad isn't canon anymore. Why would they change that? Um, do you want the real answer? Uh, now I'm unsure. <laughs> Um, I'll just, it's not that bad. Um, the real answer is that they, they got Jeff Goldblum to be one of Rachel's dads. Okay. <laughs> so, you know. Good for him. <laughs> gotta, gotta, when, when do you get Jeff Goldblum? Like, what are you gonna do? Um, s- still keep the other dad black, <laughs> maybe. That's probably the 2020 answer. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, it was not 2020. So it was 2009 or whatever season or such I, that I is. Was, I think it was 2011 ish. I don't mm. really remember. All right. Gosh. Um. Well, last thing before we get out of Rachel's backstory is <laughs> the MySpace page. Um, Seeing MySpace makes me laugh. I don't know why. Yeah. It's it's cringe, bro. <laughs> it's cringe, bro. It's just... <laughs> it just didn't age well. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's just... It just is so random. And I wonder, like... How much longer it'll be before, like, the teens don't even know what MySpace is. I wouldn't be surprised if that's already a thing. Dang. I feel old. Um, But, like, I get, like, what she's trying to do by, like, posting a video every day. Like, I get that that drive. Because, like, I definitely went through a phase where, like, I wanted to post art every day. Just to, like, try to be seen. Which I feel like is Rachel's, like, number one Mm -hmm. thing that she wants. So, like, I definitely get that desire, 
But, like, then we see, like, the cheerleaders commenting, like, I'm gonna scratch out my eyes and please get sterilized, which is just brutal. (laughs) That's so (laughs) a lot. so mean. And it's definitely part of, like, this this culture of bullying that is being created. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially because we see um, Quinn... Finn's girlfriend um, is one of the people doing it. So it it sets up some tensions. Quinn makes me laugh. I love <laughs> Quinn. We'll talk about Quinn later. Um, so now we jump into the first Glee Club rehearsal. Uh, it's a very iconic scene. Um, it is spotlighting Artie singing Sit Down Your Rock in the Boat from Guys and Dolls. Um, they're not great, but they're not, like, the worst thing ever. Um, and Artie's wheelchair is the focus of the choreography. Um, Rachel is very frustrated that Will gave the part, ironically, to Artie because of his wheelchair. And she storms out while, procre- while proclaiming... There's nothing ironic about show choir, which is another line that is touted a lot as, like, an iconic Rachel Berry quote. And it's also the first um, iconic Rachel Berry storm out, which we will see a lot more of. She seems like the sort that would do that all the time. Yeah, that is a correct um, intuition. (laughs) Like, again, I, I admire Rachel. She's very hardworking. She takes this stuff very seriously. I think too seriously. Mm-hmm. I would agree. <laughs> Especially for, like, their first number and having, like, only six people, I think? Or not five? No, because she's the sort that wants to be famous right now. She wants the first thing she does to get her right onto the stage. Yeah, and it's hard to remember because everyone looks like they're 30 years old, but she's supposed to be a sophomore, so that's only, like, 16 years old. No, I really can't get past the fact that they all look 30. (laughs) Like, a lot of the humor is actually amplified to me because it's supposed to be, oh, ha, ha, a teenager is doing it. But I'm like, look at them, they're 30. Yeah, and I think that was a choice on their part because as we get into more inappropriate themes for teenagers, it definitely like is made less uncomfortable by the fact that no one looks young. Um I I feel conflicted about that sort of thing i ain't gotta get into it i just we'll get it we'll get into it when something happens yeah okay (laughs) things will happen and that is definitely a discussion that i'd like to have but like i feel like when things happen in riverdale everyone looks way younger so it just skeeves me out like way more are you saying they look young in riverdale they look definitely younger than the glee cast in my opinion please i would say false (laughs) Please look at Noah Puckerman and tell me he's not, like, 35. Okay, that man is 40. (laughs) This is what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, at least Jughead looks, like, 22. 
he's different. He he is like younger. <laughs> Everyone else <laughs> is forty. He he's twenty. Uh, oh, I can't wait to talk about Riverdale. Um. <laughs> All right, moving on. There's not too much that happens in that scene. It's pretty short. Um, So Will follows Rachel outside so they can talk. Uh, Rachel is frustrated that everyone hates her, despite Will confirming how talented she is. Will doesn't understand why she thinks Glee Club will make people like her, and we get Rachel's line, being a part of something special makes you special, which is another very iconic moment. Uh, Rachel has the ultimatum that Will has to find a different male lead or she'll quit the club. Okay, but like I was saying earlier where I'm conflicted about her, but she says a lot of really good things. That is definitely a really good thing. It's so cute. Like, I really like that for how, like, individualistic she is, she recognizes the fact that she needs a team and that being a part of a team will make her better and it's just really sweet i just it's just very personally inspiring being a part of something special makes you special and that makes me want to cry <laughs> i know I'm <laughs> it's so sweet oh uh, it's so good even though this like this scene as a whole is kind of like weird like in the background of the scene is the the cheerleader coach yelling <laughs> at her cheerleaders. You're sloppy. You're sloppy, baby. <laughs> you sloppy babies, don't you start crying. <laughs> While Rachel is, uh, like, over here almost crying yeah. because everyone hates her. It's 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 very fun. It's a fun juxtaposition of Rachel watching the popular people be bullied around while her nice coach is like begging her to come back to practice. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, sweet. It's sweet. I like Will's little moment here. Um I don't super understand Rachel's ultimatum here. Like <laughs> Like, where is Will, like, realistically supposed to get, like, a a male lead that will keep up with her vocally? Like, that's such, like, a crazy demand. I think that's one of those moments we're supposed to remind ourselves that she's 16. Yeah. And (laughs) she has a very specific vision, and Mm -hmm. others have to make that vision work for her. It's just very interesting because... We we see later, like, in other competitions that some people just have, like, one soloist and they don't even do, like, male-female duets. So, like, this is definitely, like, something that she has dreamed about and wants rather than just being, like, the soloist. She definitely wants, like, a boy to sing to, like, <laughs> which I think is, like, one of her rare human qualities. Her rare human qualities. <laughs> um, so the next scene is Principal Figgins telling Will that he's canceling the club so Alcoholics Anonymous can use the auditorium. Uh, Will strikes the deal that if the club makes it to regionals to bring prestige to the school, the club can continue. Uh, Figgins agrees, but insists Will run detention for free as like an exchange. 
So how do you feel about the setting up, like, the stakes of the season? Um, like, all right, I guess. <laughs> stakes need to be there for this. <laughs> we do need stakes. We um, do need we stakes. Like, we definitely see this later as, like, when the show slips into what I call sports anime mode, <laughs> where they are all practicing for first, they have to do sectionals before they can get to regionals. So when we're gearing up for sectionals, it becomes more and more like competition and practices and like scouting out the opponents. So it's kind of like bringing in this competition angle to heighten the like character drama in a way that I think is really fun. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see more of it later, but this is where we get our first introduction to the show choir championship plot line, I guess. Yeah. Because he has to get that prestige. Get the prestige. Um. All right, so we get our first real introduction to Will's wife, Terry. Um, she is at her job at a Bed Bath & Beyond lookalike called Sheets and Things, which I think is a very hilarious <laughs> name. Um, <laughs> Terry is bossing around a co-worker when Will surprises her with lunch, and she chastises him for getting her order wrong. We learn that they're trying to get pregnant, so Terry is worried about what food she's eating. Will confesses that he has to work late uh, because he's doing detention in order to keep Glee Club alive. Leaving Terry pretty upset with him. He, yeah. <laughs> I feel like they, they're very quick about setting up Terry in this way where I want to not like her. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> love Terry. <laughs> yeah, do you? <laughs> I think every single line she says is hilarious. I think... All of, like, her comedic timing is perfect. I think the actress does a really good job of, like, being, like, a sympathetically, like, crazy person. Like, I just think that she's so, like, ugh, I just, I love watching her. Like, she's horrible, but, like, I'm so excited whenever she shows up. <laughs> I think she's, um... Some of the things she says, she strikes me as very hypocritical. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I I think it's like we, it's very telling very quickly how Will has come to surprise her at work. And she's like, you got my order wrong. What is wrong with you? But okay. like in the a way, way that, that line was delivered, by the way, it's like, what is wrong with you? It's like. Yeah. So casually done, and then they just go over it. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. And I'm like, she must talk this way all the time. Will must be, like, constantly, like, downtrodden. Like, it just says so much about their marriage. And, like, while I really like Terry as a character, I think that we're pretty obviously not supposed to want her and Will together. Like, clearly this relationship isn't super great mm-hmm uh, but oh my god i love her <laughs> she's interesting she is interesting she's so fun um, she does say things where i'm like 
if it was someone else saying it, that would be really like profound almost. <laughs> oh yeah, and like the fight later. Mm-hmm. I really like the fight later. I'm very excited. Um so we also get just the tiniest snippet of Terry's coworker whose name is Howard Bamboo. Oh who <laughs> is um definitely one of the weirdest Glee side characters, but we will be seeing him uh, in a couple episodes from now. But this is his first real appearance. I didn't realize he was going to be consistent. Good for oh, him. Yeah. Good for him. I'm <laughs> I'm a fan. He he shows up, he does his work, he goes home. <laughs> um I think he's funny. So, before Will can leave the store. He runs into Sandy Ryerson. Um, Sandy tells Will that he's a drug dealer now and is making (laughs) ten times more than when he was a teacher. Uh, Sandy gives Will a free packet of weed for having to deal with those tone-deaf acne factories. And Will takes the weed but insists that he won't use it. So, yeah, Sandy's the, the last teacher of the choir or whatever. Yes, he was the one that Rachel got fired. Yeah. Um he's he's got a lot of character. Yes, is that, is that the very... last time he's ever seen her? Does he come back? Oh honey, he's around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In this scene I was confused. The way the episode sort of um jumps through events, it mm-hmm. was hard to keep track of how much time was going by. So they made it clear in like one line of dialogue. Oh, he got fired, like, a while ago. And I was like, "Yeah, it happened two minutes ago. What do you mean? That, <laughs> that is definitely, like, a thing that jumps out at me during the scene. It's just, I think he said, like, a month or something. Yeah, some wild amount of time where before yeah. I was thinking this is all a day. Mm-hmm. I thought it was one day. Um, Maybe two days, I don't know. So I think that this is something that's left in from how the pilot was recut, because I know that the pilot did go through a couple of revisions, and there's a weird line at the beginning of the um, Will and Rachel scene where he comments that she changed out of her costume, but she wasn't really in a costume, and this was referencing like a deleted scene where they were all dressed up in like disco outfits oh so i feel i feel like this line has a similar problem of is probably referencing something that was cut but they didn't want to reshoot the scene i see (laughs) that's just that's just my theory because the rest of the show definitely feels like it's taking place like week to week like as it was released hmm interesting yeah, so, like, him, Sandy coming in saying that a month has passed is just, like, makes my head spin. Honestly. <laughs> I was so thrown off. I was... So I had to talk about it. I was like, that doesn't, that doesn't feel right. Yeah, so, like, this is probably, like, the only time that something like that happens, because I feel like the rest of the show progresses at, like, a pretty normal pace. Good to know. Good to know, good to know. Good to know. Um, what do you think about, um, Sandy says that, I, I always quote this, like a crazy person, whenever this scene happens, 
that um, Sandy's long distance girlfriend in, in Cleveland nearly broke up with him about <laughs> what he was fired for. Uh, I don't know. It just added extra flavor to how much of a character this guy is. It's like, he has yeah. so many layers. <laughs> just wait till you see his house. Oh. <laughs> it's so I can't funny. wait. Oh, it's so good. Um, I, I think he's so funny. I think that he is definitely, like, a weird gay stereotype but like as a gay like i love it like i don't know how like i don't i don't want to know like what straight people think about him absolutely not (laughs) yeah like i think he's so funny like (laughs) like uh, i I don't i don't know like he just he he hits he hits my funny button for me there's something about him he's a little hard to hate. <laughs> yeah, like he—he's <laughs> so excited that he's a drug dealer now. He just I think that's so funny. In this, this sheets and things. It's specifically then, that he deals pot, right? Yeah, he it's specifically medical marijuana. Yeah, which is funny to me. I know. Again, in two thousand nine, it was very yeah. illegal. Super, but it's still illegal in Ohio. Illegal. I think they only recently, maybe last year. Uh, legalized it medically. Mm-hmm. Um, who's to say? I just, like... <laughs> putting a packet of weed in Will's pocket in a Sheets and Things is just so funny to me. And, like, he just takes it. There are scenes like that that have a certain flavor. I don't know how to describe it, but when I watch things with that flavor of, like real life like the drabness of real life mixed with this sort of over-the-top comedy it like Mm -hmm. almost makes me uncomfortable but in a delightful (laughs) way and i don't know how i'm supposed to feel just kind of okay um i think you're supposed to laugh i guess (laughs) um i'm a big fan um and then we we know that will has some weed now so we need to keep that in mind for later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we get a really cool montage of Will talking to Sue, Emma, and Ken like simultaneously, uh, while um, a fifth of Beethoven acapella cover plays. I really like the scene. Um, so Will wants to talk to the Cheerios about joining Glee Club, which Sue discourages due to it blurring the cast lines of the high school. Emma insists that it's a good idea to get popular kids to join, as more will follow once they see it's cool and not just for losers. Ken agrees to let Will talk to the football team in exchange for Will putting in a good word for him with Emma. Mm. That sure is something, isn't it? <laughs> how do you feel about like how this was shot because this is one of my like favorite things from the pilot um i didn't have super strong feelings i'm sorry to say but i again i really like uh sue the cheerleader coach and just how harsh she is it's just interesting her line um yeah about like not mixing like don't make them think they're something that they're not. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, 
That's so brutal. It is brutal. How like, does she end up being a high school teacher? <laughs> oh, we get we get some we get some interesting Sue backstory. Um, I just I really like how this is like shot. So like Sue and Emma are kind of like contradicting each other at the same time as like Will is talking with them in like a really interesting way, and I always laugh at the Sue line. Uh, like the kids playing druids and live action trolls in the basement because <laughs> I'm like that's me <laughs> that's me <laughs> <laughs> it's very good but like I definitely like get like what she's trying to say because like the show is kind of famous for Sue and Will's rivalry and in the pilot, we don't really see them as enemies quite yet. So yeah. So it's really... Yeah. So, like, she's not necessarily saying this to be, like, a cruel person. It's just she sees this culture of bullying and she's like, you're going to hurt kids by pulling them into your loser club because losers get hurt. So, like, I definitely get, like, why she thinks that she's so right. I mean, there's something to it, I suppose. <laughs> she's not wrong. She's not She's not wrong, is the thing, in this particular culture that is at the school. Yeah. Um, and the other thing about, like, them as seen is that we see Will <laughs> daintily holding her ankle as he scrapes off gum from her shoe with a credit card. Which is a very heterosexual. <laughs> there's there's a lot going on in that little moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say about that moment. Just it makes me laugh. It makes me laugh. He calls her Cinderella, and I'm like, "Sir, you're married. Sir, you're married." Why are you using You're a touching- credit card? <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's so funny that he wipes his credit card off on the bench. <laughs> it's it's so funny. And it just makes me think like, oh, Emma's going to touch that later. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like she doesn't, but like theoretically, like if you're just putting gum back on the bench, like that's what's going to happen. I mean, she can't walk on it. It's out of walking range. That was the problem. She stepped on it and it was super nasty. And I relate to her about how nasty it was. It was pretty gross. <laughs> but I, don't, I, I relate the scene. I think that the acapella is really fun. And then we're just going to skip over Ken because we don't like Ken. We don't like Ken. We don't like He's Ken. a creep. <laughs> um, all right. Will talks to the football players as he's trying to recruit new members. Puck, who was one of the main boys who tossed Kurt into a dumpster earlier, volunteers to stay on the spot. Will is clearly excited, but Puck ends up farting dramatically on him, earning laughs from the room and a high five from Finn. Will is dismayed at the lack of anyone joining until he hears Finn singing in the shower after practice. 
Finn saying, I can't fight this feeling anymore, while Will realizes that Finn is the male lead the club needs to keep Rachel. And then he gets an idea. He sure does. He sure does. But let's talk about the locker room and the shower scene. Yeah, do we gotta? <laughs> I think it's funny. I I think the fart joke is a little <laughs> heavy-handed, but it definitely, like... It's heavy-handed, yes. <laughs> I think it does a good job of, like, reminding us who Puck is, and that he's cool, and that he's gonna be, like, a central character. The thing that gets me about it, that makes it funny to me, is because it's hard for me to look past the whole... These characters are 30, yeah, and that's a grown man. so old. <laughs> <laughs> that is a grown man with the sense of humor of a middle school boy. <laughs> and I can't get over it. It's funny because Puck is also supposed to be 16. Clearly he doesn't look 16. <laughs> no. He looks 40. Yeah, he's, he's definitely <laughs> like the oldest looking one in the cast. And that's why it makes me laugh. (laughs) Okay, so for an entirely different reason. (laughs) Because he's a grown man. Yeah. I like like how everyone, like, hoops and hollers about it. A bunch of other adults. A bunch of other adults. The only Uh, people who look like like kids are the extras in the hallway. mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think about the shower scene? Because it is quite a hot topic. Is it? Yes. Hmm. I want to I wanna hear your thoughts. I'm trying to remember. Did, did we get a little bit of flashback then or just later? No, we get the flashback later. Oh. Uh, I don't know. He was just singing in the shower. That seemed fine. Um, a lot of people take issue with the fact that Will is very creepily inching his way towards a very naked Finn in the shower room alone. Oh, I like, didn't even register that. I thought he was just, like, <laughs> leaving the locker room and just happened to be passing, passing by, like, the shower area. Like, he wasn't, I didn't think he was going towards him or anything. It's kind of, like, ambiguous in that way and, like... I'm not really personally bothered by it because, like, the show tells us to not be bothered by it. So, like, it definitely kind of, like, glosses over if you're not, like, thinking about it that critically. But, like, yeah, I guess, like, in theory that's kind of creepy. But, like, we get Will's voiceover thinking that, oh, this kid's so talented. He needs to be in my glee club. Rather than, like, any creepy thoughts. So, like, we know, like, that his, like, intentions are pure or whatever. So, like, it doesn't it doesn't personally bother me that much. It's not like he ever actually walks in on him or anything. He just yeah. hears him singing. And he's pretty good. How do you yeah. think he sounds? Yeah, I think he's good. He's got, like, a nice voice. It's not, like... It's, like, unique in a way that, like, a lot of the voices on the show are. Like, I don't really know a lot of singers who sound like him. Hmm. He definitely adds, like, an interesting, like, tone to the the numbers that we hear later. 
I like the songs he chooses to sing. Oh yeah, he does. He's like the soft rock guy. I love That's that. That's like all he does. It's really sweet. Especially because we <laughs> learned that like he gets a lot of that from his mom. Yeah, he seems like a really like normal sweet person. Mm-hmm. But also so. like stu- <laughs> stupid. <laughs> He's supposed to be a high schooler. They're all supposed to be kind of stupid. It's just with that other guy, it's hard to look past the fact that he's an adult. Yeah. It, it, Glee is not about children. It's about adults who go to high school. It's about adults who go to high school. <laughs> Alright. So back to Will's big idea. So Finn is pulled into Will's office to be asked why Will found weed in Finn's locker. Will Will reveals that it's the weed that Sandy gave him earlier, meaning that he's making up this whole thing to blackmail Finn. Finn swears that he'll take a bl- <laughs> Finn swears that he'll take a drug test to prove his innocence, but Will insists that he's already in too much trouble. Will threatens that Finn will be kicked out of school or even land in prison with the amount of pot Will air quotes found in his locker. Mm-hmm. So this is like the big, the like uh, something big that happens that like we don't really get a resolution to for like a long time is the blackmailing of Finn into Glee Club. Yeah, I'd say that's the worst thing our dear teacher Will has done. <laughs> I get so his intentions so far. Okay, I get his intentions. <laughs> But boy, do you not do that. And it's so funny, like I was saying earlier before, where he's saying, like, you can land in prison, son. (laughs) Dramatic pan over to this poster that says, top priority is help the children. It's a very good shot. It's very funny. And I like that the show calls attention to this being, like, a shitty action. Yeah. But, like, Will is just so desperate. Like, his wife is, like... (laughs) trying to control everything he's barely keeping a handle on the glee club he can't even keep a handle on rachel like he has to feel like he's in control of something and so he decides to blackmail a child with weed (laughs) Uh uh-huh which like is funny because like it's not real like this this level of absurdism makes it just like not even registered to me as, like, a bad thing, really. Oh. (laughs) It's very ridiculous, but I definitely acknowledged you don't do that. (laughs) It's, like, bad, but then, like, the show just, like, forgets about it. And so I forget about it. I guess. (laughs) It's definitely, like, quite a extreme (laughs) A way to get a kid into Glee Club. Clearly the man was desperate. Clearly the man be desperate. So as Finn zones out at the threat of being expelled, we get his backstory. Uh, His father died in the Iraq war, uh, leaving him with a single mother, Carol, We see that his mom works really hard to support him, and he can feel the pressure of not wanting to let her down. His mom used to have a fling with a lawn care guy who would hang out with Finn and Sane while he worked. 
It was the first time Finn really connected with music, and he remembers it fondly. However, the lawn care guy breaks up with his mother, she's heartbroken, and he swears not to ever let her down. He's a sweet kid. He's so sweet. I love his relationship with his mom. Um, She's one of the few parent characters that we get to see. We don't really get a lot of parent characters, which I think is good. But, like, the ones that we do get are very good, and I enjoy them. Hmm. So we we see, like, a decent amount of Carol because she's really sweet and... I really like that he's shown, like, learning how to play the drums pretty young and, like, clearly has had this connection to music for, like, a while, but it's always been more of, like, a private thing rather than, like, performing versus... And I especially like it in comparison to Rachel's backstory, where she very clearly has always been performing and, like, music isn't, like, the most personal thing to her because she always does it as, like her way to get famous while like Finn's connection is like much more personal and he likes to like feel what he's singing and it's just like a really sweet dynamic. They're good foils. It do be about the foils. It do be about the foils. Um, I know he's just like a moment of backstory. I don't know if he ever goes back. He has no reason to. I like the lawn care guy. I do like the lawn care guy. I think he's really funny. Um, I'm sad to say that this is the only episode with lawn care guy. That's fine. He doesn't seem important in any kind of way, but he <laughs> he was funny for his like two seconds. And I love that like it's not actually lawn care. He's just painting the grass green. Yeah. <laughs> um, the company's called Emerald Dreams, and they just paint dead grass green, which like. To me, it sounds way smarter than actually, like, taking care of grass. <laughs> no! <laughs> like, like I get it. I, I guess I get it, but don't do that? <laughs> I mean, I don't have a lawn. You can so just have fake really... grass. There are plenty of people that have their front yards be fake grass. You don't have to paint the dead grass. But it's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can have a different type of garden, like a desert garden or something. Rocks. We were were talking too much about grass. (laughs) Maybe I'm passionate about it. All right, I'll move on. (laughs) Um... uh, Back in the present now, Finn asks what he can do to not get expelled. We get a fun cut to Glee rehearsal. Finn is singing You're the One That I Want from Greece, and the rest of the members are pleasantly surprised by his voice. Rachel joins in the duet, but takes it too far, clearly excited that someone can match her talent. Mercedes grows annoyed by Rachel obnoxiously hanging on Finn and stops the performance, but she admits that Finn is talented. Specifically, you got talent, white boy. Yeah. <laughs> you, she has to get a white boy in there. No, I, I love it. <laughs> I do I do love it, unfortunately. <laughs> hmm. Um, real quick, how do you feel about Greece? Uh 
I feel like maybe I watched Grease once upon a time and I don't really remember anything about it. That is uh, similarly my vibe where I watched Glee (laughs) and then I would like slowly like check out the things that Glee were singing songs from. So like Glee does a lot of um, like funny girl and like My Fair Lady and stuff like that. So I would like watch these musicals with the context of knowing a song or two from Glee so, like, Grease is one of the ones that I watched like that, but I could only make it, like, halfway through before I was, like, this is kind of bad. Okay, <laughs> so well, now I, I have remember... to watch it. What? <laughs> you know I, I love me a bad movie. I remember not liking it, like, at all and not finishing it. Hmm. Oh, time for me to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we can do a bonus episode where we watch Grease. And maybe shit on it, because I don't remember. (laughs) I just remember thinking that it was very sexist and old. Oh, that's fair. When was it made? It's it's very old. (laughs) How old is it? Was it like the 50s or set? Okay. When did Grease come out? Oh, I'm very wrong. 1978. Oh. Hmm. But it's it's set in the 50s. Yeah. So instantly I'm comparing it to Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is also a late 70s movie. And it's oh, funny to I... think you haven't watched Rocky Horror Picture Show, I know. It's just funny oh, to I'm compare. Not... <laughs> I'm just so excited for us to get to the Rocky Horror Picture Show episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I just get to go, I don't know what's happening. And you can be like, oh, they butchered this song. Oh, I don't know if I'd be quite like that. We'll have to see. <laughs> it's it's pretty early season two, so it's not that far. Mm, it's going to be a while. <laughs> it is going to be a while, but it's it's one of my favorite episodes. Uh, despite having no idea what I can picture show. You is. can bet when we do get there, I'll talk a lot about it. And then we'll do a bonus episode where I watch Rocky Horror Picture Show. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. I think it's one of those movies everyone needs to see. Yeah, I feel like as a gay person, I feel like I'm definitely like missing out on a part of our culture by not watching it. For sure. <laughs> yeah. It's at least it, my it gay culture. Yeah. It feels <laughs> like I'm my gay card's gonna get revoked. um yeah Mm. that's basically that scene um okay so Mm. back at will's house will and terry are having puzzle night and they're they're doing that picture of the farmers where one guy's holding a pitchfork i don't know why it's so funny to me um is it frustrated it's like a showing of their relationship maybe Hold on there, English major. Let me finish <laughs> saying my paragraph first. Okay. <laughs> um, Terry is frustrated that Will is spending so much time with the Glee kids instead of supporting her. But Will is mad Terry doesn't understand how, fil- how fulfilling it is for him. Terry reminds him that they're living paycheck to paycheck, but Will goes into the closet to pull out Terry's expensive Pottery Barn purchases. 
Terry insists that her needs should be met and that Will should quit to become an accountant since their high school glory days are over. Yeah? <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite scenes of the pilot. Yeah, it's a... I Terry makes me laugh, but I still don't like her. And she it's again where I think a theme of the show, at least this episode, is irony. Because she mm-hmm. says this thing that I think is really good, but she's saying it so hypocritically. She's saying mm-hmm. it's not bad to want things. And to have a glue gun that works. Yeah, there's that too, but that's not <laughs> that's not the part that's stuck with me. The whole thing is she's saying that she deserves to have all of her weird little purchases because it's not bad to want things. And you know what? You're right. It's not bad to want things, but... Your husband has things that he wants, and you're saying no. Mm-hmm. And I also feel that that line reads hypocritical because she's buying things with his money. Yeah. <laughs> like, he probably wouldn't care if she was buying Balinese toilet bowl holders if she was using it with her money. But, like, she's cutting into their money. Yeah. It just it feels like like a real married couple fight, although like with the stakes definitely like higher and like it is silly that they're fighting over like toilet brush holders and a glee club, but it definitely like feels very viscerally like a marital spat. I think it's very real. Again, like what I was saying earlier about that sort of clash of ridiculous situations in a very mundane setting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's just how it is. Yeah. And I think that some of the Terry Will stuff that we get later is some of like the most serious and interesting stuff. And I really, I really like how they write these two together. I think it's always really interesting. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, they're very clearly, like, not supposed to be the other. I think it's something that could be worked on. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, like, very, like, clearly, like, there could be saving this relationship, which we kind of see later. So it's not, like, all hope is gone. It's just, it's, they're definitely going through a rough patch right now. Mm-hmm. So we get a fun little scene, which I'll kind of gloss over, of Emma signing up to accompany Will to see a rival show choir perform as, like, a field trip for the Glee kids to see their competition. Um, During the scene, we see Emma, like, wipe off the pencil before using it to sign up, and Ken is watching her the whole time, and he looks really pissed. (laughs) Um, I like the scene because it's shot really fun and, like, one take, but... It was one of those um, scenes that made Emma feel a little bit creepy with her big, wide eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I love her eyes. (laughs) She feels almost stalker energy. Like, borderline, but I feel like because she's not, like, following him outside of school, it's, like, fine. Yeah. Oh, except for when they go outside of school together. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so that's just a nice little scene. I like it. Um, so then we cut to Ken taking out his rage on Finn, who has just told him he's doing both glee and football. Puck takes notice and asks why Finn has to miss practice, to which Finn lies and says that his mom had prostate surgery and he needs to go take care of her. Puck buys the lie without question. And I think he says something like, that's rough <laughs> or something like that. Basically has a, that's rough, buddy. Yeah, it's, I really like it. It's um, so stupid. <laughs> it's just the the boys have no brain cells. Obviously. It's really fun. And I like that, like, even though Puck is, like, an asshole, he's kind of, like, sympathetic to Finn. He's like, oh, that sucks that you're, like, your mom's hurt. Like, he's not, like, razzing him about it or anything. He's, like, kind of nice. I mean, they're supposed to be friends. They are. They've, they've apparently been best friends for, like, a while. Yeah. I I like their dynamic. They they share the brain cell. They pass it back and forth. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess so. <laughs> uh, so after that, we see Ken confronting Will about stealing Finn. Will proclaims that Ken hates football and that the issue must be something else. We get a flashback of Ken asking Emma on a date to a monster truck rally which she declines because she likes someone else. Ken knows this means Will and is mad that Will didn't put in a good word for him. Ken is sure the peer pressure from students will make Finn quit Glee on his own. Okay, can I talk about the scene that I hate? (laughs) Yes, you can talk about the car. (laughs) You sound like you don't want to. (laughs) No, I, I, I really like the car scene because it... It really illustrates how mean of a person Ken is. He's horrible. By using someone's disability against them. He gets so mad that she tries to very politely turn him down that she was just like cleaning off her door handle because she's a germaphobe. So he licks his hand and spreads it all over the car handle and I gasped i was so (laughs) hurt offended and disgusted i just wanted to say that (laughs) it is is definitely very visceral especially with seeing like emma's similar gasp and her like horrified expression like it's just like a very cruel thing to do especially (laughs) because like (laughs) <laughs> she was very nicely trying to turn him down for like apparently like the tenth time like clearly he does this all the time this is just the first time that she said a reason other than she was on her period or that <laughs> she had a headache yeah Woof. it does a good job of setting up Ken as like an antagonist don't like him. Don't like him. Don't like him. <laughs> not not here for Ken. Here for Kurt. Um. All right. So we are at the field trip. So we are going to see the rival club perform called Vocal Adrenaline. Uh, Finn and Rachel talk while in line for snacks with Rachel saying that they should become an item because they're both the lead vocalists. But Finn says that he already has a girlfriend named Quinn Fabray. 
Quinn is head cheerleader and president of the Celibacy Club, and we see that she doesn't let Finn go very far while making out with her. Rachel is dismayed to hear that Finn is taken. Um, I think the scene is hilarious. Yeah, it's something. Um, I do think Quinn is funny. <laughs> um, she's another like example of the irony because, oh, she's like the most popular girl. She's a cheerleader. She's super hot. Celibacy club? Celibacy club? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very religious. The- stops in the middle of making out to be like, let's pray. <laughs> Glee has a fascinating relationship with religion. It does. It is, it is so interesting to me because I think they were a little gun shy with it in season one, but season two we get like a religion special episode. Oh boy. That is so fascinating to talk about. Um, and we do get like a lot of Christianity versus like being atheist versus like Judaism. That it's like a really interesting depiction of religion, especially like <laughs> later. So, yeah, I guess we'll get more into that when we get there. Yeah, it definitely is coming up, but the celibacy club um, is going to show up next episode, and we actually get to go to a meeting, so it'll be really fun <laughs> to to hear you react to that. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I think that this does a good job of kind of setting up... <laughs> The celibacy club plot line, I guess. It gets its own entire plot line. I plot line might be a little too generous <laughs> with it, but it's definitely something that happens and something that the show wants to talk about. Interesting. It's very funny. I I really like it. Um Yeah, so as Finn and Rachel walk away. We see Will and Emma decide to avoid the snack line and share a peanut butter and jelly. Will opens up about his marriage problems to Emma, which which she seems too excited about. Will is frustrated Terry wants more for him. Will is frustrated Terry wants more from him, but he's not sure what she wants more of. Money? <laughs> well, he's like, uh, like clearly, yeah, but like he's, he seems to be like lamenting the fact that he's always just kind of done what she said instead of like questioning why she's saying it and how like it's really getting him down that she's not being supportive of his glee dream. But like mm-hmm. Emma's like so thirsty about mm-hmm. like listening to his problems. Because it gives her hope. <laughs> it does give her hope. And, like, in a, in a way, it's kind of, like, sad. Yeah. Like, he's having a rough time with his wife. They're having a bit of a disagreement because they're trying to figure out how to go with the f- go towards the future for their family because they want to have a kid. Obviously, you need a lot of money to raise a kid. So, that's very valid. Yeah. Um, 
that's all I really have to say about it. Other than I think the, I think the sharing of the PB and J is really cute, and that like Emma packed her own lunch. There's something about it that feels very, very innocent. Like they're just mm-hmm. children having a lunch together. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really sweet because he hasn't had one in a long time because Terry's allergic to nuts, so, like, Emma's providing something that Terry has forbidden. It's the forbidden PB&J from the Temptress. Oh. Like, like, there's something really funny about it in that way. Ooh. Just suddenly putting that opposite tone (laughs) caught me off guard, I gotta say. Uh Uh-huh. I mean that's 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 how you could read it. That's a lot, but you write. That's, that's how Terry reads it. Um, so the Glee Club sits down to watch Vocal Adrenaline perform. They sing "Rehab" by Amy Winehouse, and it slaps so hard. Their choreography is insane. They're doing flips and lifts, and their vocals are really good. The song rocks. Uh, we have a cool shot of the Glee Club <laughs> in complete shock that this is their competition, and clearly they have no shot at winning. Yet. <laughs> Yet. What I liked about this was um before the enemy team starts their performance, uh, Will is leaning over to the Glee yeah. Club saying... <laughs> Oh, it'll be fine. Like, they can't be that good. While simultaneously it's showing them, like, the enemy team preparing the straps, pulling up the socks, all that, whatever. You could tell they're on it. Yeah, I like the snap of suspenders. Yeah. (laughs) It was really good. I love Vocal Adrenaline. We don't really get to see them for a while after this, but whenever they show up, I'm always really excited. They're really good. They are really good. Which is the point. Which is the point. Um, It's also because, like, most of their choreography team, like, the actual show is the people that perform the vocal adrenaline numbers. Oh. (laughs) So, like, that's why they're so on top of it. (laughs) Nice. It's very good. Um... I'm a fan. I'm trying to hold back on this <laughs> spoiler I really want to say, but I'm going to You better I'm keep hold that back. I'm holding it in. I will just say that there is a very noticeable absence from the vocal adrenaline team uh, in this scene. But we'll, we'll get back to that later. Hmm. Okay. Um, don't worry about it. All right. I'm not worried um, about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, Finn is confronted by Puck outside the auditorium. Puck and the rest of the football team pelt Finn with paintballs for lying and going to a show choir performance. Uh, this scene is pretty brutal because Finn is, like, (laughs) begging for mercy and saying you don't have to do this. Yeah, I mean, they're all pointing guns at him. They're paintball Mm -hmm. guns, but those things hurt. I can't even imagine, like, what it was like to shoot this. (laughs) I hope he has something on underneath so that he didn't get, like, actually yeah. beat up by paintballs. I, it just, it looks horrible. It sounds horrible. Like, it's just a very brutal scene. Like, I'm sure he would have taken a slushie over this. 
<laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's just oh, but the, okay, but this is like one of my favorite <laughs> um, quotes from the pilot, which is "Chicks don't have prostates." I looked it up. Which... I mean, good for him for looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also. Clearly transphobic in the year of our Lord 2020. Yeah. But like the the comedic <laughs> the, the comedic timing of it happening so long after the prostate lie is just so funny to me. Like it took him this long to realize that. He had to really think about it. <laughs> yeah, to go look it up in a dictionary in the library because it was two thousand nine. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Clearly, clearly awful. Clearly not true. Uh, does make me laugh, unfortunately. Um, we get a lot of <laughs> what I want to call quippy transphobic one-liners. Is something that will be popping up quite quite often but uh um does make me laugh a little bit hmm again it was 2009 we can't keep excusing it it for being 2009 but it really was just a different i wouldn't say it's an excuse but it is an explanation yeah especially because like i feel like a lot of the transphobic stuff is from Ryan Murphy and his not intersectional views, which we we get a little bit later when he says, like, bi people don't exist. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, uh, the show, which has a lot of LGBT characters, clearly does not like all parts of LGBT in, like, a kind of interesting way. It's very possible to be gay and homophobic, unfortunately. (laughs) So we'll get get more into that later, but this is kind of, like, our first little peek at some transphobia, which we will we'll see later. But, um... Next is a scene that, uh... (laughs) It it's it's interesting in retrospect. So, um, Will comes home to find Terry with a congratulations banner. Terry announces that she's pregnant, but Will doesn't believe her, thinking that she's joking. She's serious though, and Will realizes like what he has to do to support his family. Mm-hmm. So despite how like unlikable Terry is like I really I like this scene it's like kind of sweet even though like Will spends all of it like calling her a liar basically he was just in disbelief (laughs) you know yeah I just feel like I feel like that tells us something about Terry where he has to like double check her three times (laughs) Before he decides to celebrate. What it more made me think is how long have they been trying? Has it not been working Mm -hmm. out? (laughs) Were they, like, starting to give up hope about it? That's definitely, like, what I think a read could be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get we'll get some more of that later. I love um, Terry's pregnancy storyline. It's like probably the most memorable thing about season one. Hmm. It'll be interesting. Um, so the next scene is Will announcing that he's quitting his job to the Glee Club. Uh, everyone is confused and ex- and upset except Finn, who wants to quit anyway. Um, Will explains that he's becoming an accountant in order to support his family, and that being an adult means doing things you don't want to do, which is some kind of lame advice, I guess. Yeah, I'd say so. (laughs) It was a very lame goodbye. Yeah, I mean, he obviously didn't want to go, he just thought that he had to, and... yeah. When he really don't want to do something, what else is he supposed to say to them? He could sing them a little song. <laughs> it's Glee Club. They sing so many goodbye songs. I guess. It was really depressing to be like, I have to go be an adult. You high schoolers will learn when you're out of high school <laughs> that you have to be adults too. Yeah, that's that's basically the vibe. <laughs> I love Finn being like, does that mean I can leave? Because he's only here because he got blackmailed into here. (laughs) He's got blackmailed. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely like Finn in the scene. It's very funny. Oh, but the thing that is really, like, genuinely heartbreaking is Mercedes asking if it was because vocal adrenaline was so good that Will's quitting. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, it makes me sad that, like, she thinks that this is, like, potentially their fault. Which is why Will went to clarify that very bad take that, oh, I'm just off to be an adult. It's nothing you guys did. I just have to go be an adult. It's not you. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Will sings leaving on a jet plane to an empty auditorium. As he sings, we see Emma hearing the news that Will is quitting to which she looks completely shocked. Uh, Emma approaches Will while he's filling out his accounting application and asks him to come to the career center to speak to her later. So, I actually like his little song moment. It's it's cheesy. It's kind of cliche. I liked it, though. Um, it puts me to sleep. <laughs> I literally, like, my eyes glaze over... And, like, I like the imagery of, like, Emma putting hearts over his face in the yearbook and, like, singing to an empty auditorium. But I'm just like, this song is so boring. Fair, valid. <laughs> and I, like, I feel like the the only reason they did this is because Matthew Morrison, his actor, is famous. He's being paid to be there. He's gonna sing because he's famous, and they're gonna make him sing because they paid for him. So they gave him a little song to sing, and it's fine. Does he not sing at other points? He sings later. It's just like, oh, we gotta get our big hitters into the pilot. They gotta sing. People want to hear him sing. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Because <laughs> he's he's not part of Don't Stop Believing later, so. I mean, it's not as, like, hype as some other things like that one. It's not hype. It's not it at all hype. It doesn't make me hype. 
It's not supposed to. It's supposed to be low-key yeah. and kind of sad. And I liked it. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. Mm-hmm. It serves the plot. It, it serves just the does, plot. It, I don't own it on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like is going to be a measurement of some of these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, next is... Uh, we see Rachel ambushing Finn in the hallway to ask why he didn't come to practice. Finn explains that he thought the club was canceled, but Rachel explains that she's taken over as director. Finn's girlfriend, Quinn, chastises him for talking to Rachel. Once Quinn leaves, Rachel begs Finn to come back to the club and that he's really talented and he shouldn't focus on what other people think of him. Which is very good advice. It is, like, a nice... I think Rachel's advice here is really nice, but, like, everything Rachel does has this undercurrent of, you should come back to sing with me so I can be famous. Yeah, that that's the problem with her, is that she's very focused on her own goals, and she'll boss other people around to get exactly what she wants. But she consistently, throughout this episode, says things that are very good advice. Mm-hmm. She does come across more genuine here than in a lot of the other scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing to note is that <laughs> Quinn calls Rachel RuPaul here. I it popped out. I wasn't really sure how to take it, but it was just it's so random. Yeah. And like I don't really know like RuPaul's reputation in 2009. But I know that I don't particularly care for RuPaul right now. Uh, I don't really of... know anything about him, but I'm pretty sure the Drag Race show was a thing in 2009, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I just don't think, like, <laughs> I don't think he was known for fracking in 2009. And um, especially all, like, the transphobic stuff that came out about Drag Race. <sighs> so, like, I don't. I have no love in my heart for RuPaul, but it does seem very silly to use RuPaul as an insult for someone else. It it has a certain vibe to it. There's yeah. I'm not really sure what it's one of those things I'm not sure what to say about it. It just makes me feel kind of a vague way. <laughs> uh it's 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 interesting. Quinn is interesting. I really like when she's on screen, especially when we start getting more of her. Um, she sets up that uh, Christ Crusaders will be at her house at five. The what? The Christ Crusaders, Julian. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like a Bible club. I don't think we actually get to see Christ Crusaders. <laughs> Okay. Um, I wish we, I wish we did cuz that sounds hilarious, but um yeah, so that that gives Finn a little something to think about. Um as he goes to football practice where Puck is waiting. Uh Puck says that he won't apologize for the paintball incident, but he still wants to know why Finn joined Glee Club. Finn lies and says that Will was giving him extra credit but insists that the club is over now. Puck is satisfied with the answer and, as a gift, offers Finn the job of turning over a porta potty with Artie, 
trapped inside. Finn frees Artie instead, making Puck mad for Finn saving a loser. Finn proclaims that they're all losers for being in this nowhere Ohio town and will probably never leave it. He admits that sinning made him feel good and that he's willing to fight for it. He's going to do both football and glee club no matter what. Wheeling Artie back towards school, he sees the same lawn care guy that was with his mother is taking care of the football field. Don't Stop Believing is blasting on the radio, which gives Finn an idea. Again, I love the lawn care guy. I love <laughs> that moment. <laughs> um, it's a good moment. It's a good moment. And his little speech about them all being losers because they're all in this town was a bit heavy handed. It was kind of cheesy, but I liked it. I really like it. I feel like it's really like the heart and soul of what Finn's character is. And by extension, like one of the themes of the show. <laughs> I'm glad that he was willing to, to change his whole idea because someone in a wheelchair was trapped in a porta potty and getting bullied and he was like isn't that dangerous and his football friends are like so what so then he stepped in like no that's dangerous don't do that i like that puck's answer was he's already in a wheelchair it's just so like, horrible like, like it couldn't get worse <laughs> god Which is funny in like the grim dark way that yeah the show goes for sometimes when he thinks that because he's in a wheelchair, things can't get worse to him. That's so mean. <laughs> it's so mean, but it's so, like, no brain cell what a dude would think. Yeah. I I really like the scene. I really like that Finn is sticking up for himself instead of being peer pressured. And I really like that it sets up, like... Him caring about, like, his fellow Glee Clubbers. Mm-hmm. And I really like Artie in this scene where he's kind of, like, being Finn's hype guy from the sidelines and, like, accentuating what Finn says. <laughs> Good for him. It's sweet. I really like Artie. He doesn't really get a lot of time in the pilot, but I think that he's definitely, like, one of the most interesting characters. Yeah, he seems nice. That's an interesting <laughs> observation. I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no spoilers. A spoiler um, alert from Julie's no, tone. No, no spoilers. <laughs> spoilers from Julie's tone. He's um, not nice. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, I didn't say anything. Um... <laughs> So as Finn and Artie return to rehearsal, which Rachel is running, um, <laughs> I just really want to point out Kurt's line, um, did I miss the election for Queen because I didn't vote for you? Uh, which is very good. Um, Finn apologizes to the group for participating in the bullying of the Glee Kids before, but that he really genuinely wants to help out and be a part of the club now. Uh, he gives everyone a role to take care of for their next number, um, which they're kind of putting together, like, in Mr. Shu's absence, they, the show must go on, um, and he insists that he will take care of the music. Mm hmm 
I mean, I liked that whole scene. It's a good scene. It's really short. It's really sweet. It um, it's good to see Finn apologize for the bullying, especially of Kurt, who he did toss into a dumpster in the same episode. Um, we find out that the football team has also been throwing eggs at people and throwing pee balloons at people and nailing lawn furniture to Kurt's roof. So it's more like hyperbole bullying. All that stuff is so harsh. Gross. It's harsh, but like, since we don't see it, it's, I'm, I almost like don't believe that it happened. Oh yeah, it was super glossed over. It was just like a quick little dialogue like, oh, you guys did this and you did this. And Finn was like, sorry about that one. I wasn't there for that one, but sorry. <laughs> yeah, and then they move on. I wasn't on. there for that. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, it's cute. I like it. Um, I don't like how <laughs> Tina gets stepped on in this scene because she has a stutter, so Finn just doesn't let her finish talking. <laughs> yeah, I don't really like it either. Uh, it's just kind of like a mean joke. Um... Don't love it, but I'm like, yeah, Finn, no brain cell. That's probably what he would do. So, it's fine. We don't we don't get too many dunks on Tina Stutter, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it's, good. They work it out. <laughs> they work it out. It's fine. Um. So on his way to leave, Will overhears the Glee Club rehearsing in the auditorium without him. They're singing an acapella version of Don't Stop Believing with Finn and Rachel as the leads. It is so cute. I tear up every time it happens. Uh, They all look like they're having fun, dancing around. Artie plays guitar with the band while Finn jumps on and off the drums. Will starts to tear up as he watches them perform. Uh, We see that Sue and her Cheerios are watching ominously from the rafters. Puck peeks in, but turns to leave. Uh, The New Directions finish their first real number, and Will is the only one clapping, proclaiming that he's going to stay to help them out. The episode ends as he tells them to run the number again. So I really liked that whole bit. It was very hype. (laughs) (laughs) It's very hype. I I love getting to see them all perform together, and they're doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as they learn how to to work together, they can do something really cool. And I liked that. That is really cool. It's so sweet. Everyone just looks like they're so happy. Like, genuinely, like, look like they're having fun and that, like, they sound pretty good. Yeah, they do. I thought they sounded great. And it's it, it definitely leaves, like, a hopeful note that maybe they can beat this other team. If they if they work hard and through the power of friendship, through the power of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't the most important thing is to have fun. Yeah, and then we also get these these foreshadowing shots of Sue and her Cheerios, kind of like taking notice of like these new rivals, I guess. And then we see Puck kind of keeping an eye on Finn. So we'll have to deal with both of these later. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's really cute. Um, this went like viral on the radio, like crazy viral. <laughs> Did it? Yeah, like I would hear it like on the normal radio. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so this was like their first really big hit that felt like it was everywhere, and they definitely like that <laughs> it. it Definitely becomes, like, part of the show's lore that Don't Stop Believing was, like, their first real number. Even though they were just sort of practicing in the auditorium with no audience? Yeah, but it's on iTunes. <laughs> don't don't you want to buy it on iTunes? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they really want you to buy it on iTunes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have it on iTunes. Okay, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I really like it. It's really cute. I mean, it, it was really good. It was. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you think that. Because <laughs> um, this is like the only real musical number of the pilot. Uh huh. Everything else was kind of been like talked through or with Will's thing, it was kind of like story stuff happening, like on top of it. So this is the first time we really get to see people like dance around. I assume that most of this is about people singing and dancing around, but this first episode was just it had to set everything up. Yeah, the pilot is definitely more heavy on the drama. And I would say that like Season one is about, like, I would say, like, 75% drama, 25% musical numbers, and then season two kind of bumps that up to, like, 33% musical numbers. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, if we if we do six numbers per episode... And people buy all six songs. That's a lot of money. So it, the, there's definitely like something interesting that happens between the season jumps, but season one for the most part definitely like remains in this drama element. Hmm. So when we get these numbers, it's like really fun. I like the dance numbers. <laughs> Uh, we do, we ha- we haven't even met our two dancers yet. Oh. Okay. How do I get our dancers. Because <laughs> Finn like can't dance, and it's like a constantly a plot point. <laughs> it's good. Well, that is that is the episode. So, do you have any like overall remarks on the episode as a whole? Um, it was a lot thrown into one episode because they're doing a lot of setup. That's fine. I like and hate pretty much all of the characters. <laughs> that last musical number really was having the episode go out with a bang. Yeah, they they tend to end on musical numbers when they can. Nice. I like that. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Um, do you have any idea what episode two will be about? 
Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to guess for the show? <laughs> well, hopefully it's all of them training now. Now they're actually a club. So they got to figure out how to perform together so they could get that prestige for the school. And I assume cheerleader coach is going to not enjoy it because she won't get to have all of her money anymore. That's pretty good. <laughs> You're welcome. That's, Takes a that's bow. pretty close. I like it. <laughs> all right. So with our summary done, uh, we each episode we're going to go through and rank the songs sung in the episode, with the highest ranked song becoming the song of the episode. So that song of the episode will be ranked against the other winners from the other episodes on a cool spreadsheet, which I will put in our Twitter bio and in the episode description. Uh, we will also be ranking the episodes themselves, but since this is the pilot, we don't, <laughs> we can't really do that yet. I love that you call so. your spreadsheet cool. My spreadsheet is cool, excuse me. <laughs> My spreadsheet is very cool. <laughs> so the songs in order of appearance are On My Own, sung by Rachel, Rehab by Vocal Adrenaline, Leaving on a Jet Plane by Will, and Don't Stop Believing by The New Directions. So, Julian, how would you rank these songs from Best to Worst? Um, for the ones that stood out to me that I had the most fun with, I'm going to say Don't Stop Believing's at the top, which isn't a surprise. <laughs> it, uh, legally, we have to do Don't Stop Believing for this one. Yeah, it, it was really good. It was a good finish for the episode. Obviously, that's probably the popular one for other people as you were saying it was on the radio and everything mm -hmm. um then probably an unpopular opinion with you i think my second one <laughs> is leaving on a jet plane wow because it was just you know i don't know i thought it was nice it was chill it was a good little moment it was supposed to be sad and low-key and they did a good job <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's nice to listen to a song that'll put you to sleep. Some people like that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> the third one is going to be the Rehab from Vocal Adrenaline, because it's another one of those very good, very hype, good mm. setting up the competition. Uh, and Rachel's On My Own is the last one, because I think it was the least memorable one. Oh, I love Rachel's On My Own. <laughs> Okay, so I'll keep your list separate from my list, and then we'll we'll agree on the winner. Are we gonna then... debate out de debate it out until we agree? <laughs> no, no, no. Since since we both agree on "Don't Stop," then we don't have to argue. Oh, I'm you thinking just like the next can... time when we have we have when we have to pit them against each other for other episodes. Oh yeah, we will be arguing a lot. <laughs> um. Yeah, because people love conflict, Julian. Mm, I guess. <laughs> um, so my ordering is obviously don't stop. Um, I think rehab slaps really hard, so number two would be rehab. I really like on my own. 
because I've actually sung on my own in Rachel's Key. Oh. <laughs> at um, a recital. So, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Love Me, that Sad Lamez stuff. Except for when uh, they sing the they sing a lame song in season four and it's uh, so boring. Oh my god, they keep <laughs> they keep singing like these boring songs. Uh, anyway, um, and then last would be leaving on a jet plane. It puts me to sleep. That's fair. <laughs> but our winner for song of the episode for episode one season one is don't stop believing isn't that crazy <laughs> wow wow <laughs> so i will add that to our spreadsheet and put that up um and i think that's it that's all we have to discuss this week so thank you for joining us for our first official episode you can email us at loserlikegleepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at loserlikeglejj <laughs> because the other <laughs> URL was taken. Um, <laughs> I would love to do uh, audience questions or something at the end here. Um, if there's any interest, we could start a Patreon and release steps early or <laughs> do these bonus episodes about talking about other stuff. Oh, I really want to do uh, that. <laughs> I really want to do that. Uh, I would love to talk about Glee in comparison to High School Musical, the musical, the series, and Riverdale, which clearly take a lot of inspiration from Glee. Um, Julian, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, no. <laughs> I thought this was fun. <laughs> I look forward to the next one. Aww. <laughs> I hope we you talk about other things aside from Riverdale and the high school musical thing. <laughs> I would love to talk about Riverdale. You can bring whatever you want to your side, but I'm going to talk about Riverdale. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have to say your thing. <laughs> oh, closer. I have a thing I'm supposed to say. <laughs> yes! And I hate you for making me watch this. And your resentment is delicious. Delicious.